Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Good Grief. My name is Dr. Christine Malone, and in this podcast, we talk about trauma, tragedy, and survival. In each episode, I will interview someone that has gone through grief in some way, and we will discuss the impact it has had on their life. By sharing these stories, we hope that others won't feel alone should they be going through similar situations. Enjoy. Okay, listeners, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. My guest today is going to tell us a story about um, his loss. He lost his grandfather and then kind of how he's channeled that grief into a project that has helped him as well as uh, people that he's working with. So if you would like to introduce yourself and we'll start with if you could just tell us a bit about your grandfather. Yeah, thank you. My name is Andrew. I am host of the podcast, Our Last Mill. Um, grandfather... His name is, was AJ, and he was a, he's just an amazing guy. He, um, he was a very funny, loving man. He just always growing up, he was just always goofy and silly. He was also incredibly hardworking and caring and compassionate. Um, he was the kind of person that, you know, growing up, I looked up to and really wanted to be more like. And now that I'm older and he's gone, it's somebody I still look back at and think I want to be like him as much as I can. Um, you know, he, uh, Wait, go ahead. yeah, he, um, he did, he did a lot for the, for the community around him, uh, growing, you know, growing up, uh, about two years ago in the end of 2020, um, he was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer and, you know, he, he passed a few months later from it in May. And one of the things about it was that it felt really fast from the time that he was diagnosed uh, until the time that he passed away, but it also felt incredibly slow and painful just because it just happened so fast, but it just, it felt like it was just, time was just dragging. It was this really weird, just feeling of both worlds where he's, you know, like, Hey, he's going to the doctor to he's sick to he's no longer here. But at the same time, seeing somebody who was even in his eighties, almost 90, so full of life, just slowly that being drained from them was just really, really difficult. Yeah. Uh, first thing, his uh, initials, AJ, were you named after him with Andrew or is that just a coincidence? I think it's just a coincidence. And, uh, you know, it's funny, my middle initial was J as well. So when uh, I was a kid, I thought that was, um, I thought that was the case, but I think it's just coincidence. And his his name was AJ. It, it didn't stand for something. His name was AJ. Oh, was and, uh, I've, I've, yeah, I've joked with my wife before that you know he was born in the depression. They couldn't afford more letters for a name back then. So that's funny. Um, now he got sick. You said in twenty twenty. So did COVID prevent you from being able to visit with him or anything, or did that impact um, that time period at all due to the that horrible virus? So, you know, COVID, he, he and my grandmother both contracted COVID at one point and they both went, were in the hospital for it and came out. Um, COVID, you know, we were trying to follow all the rules. So we were quarantined. We weren't going out. My wife, my daughter and I, we were staying just cooped up in a little apartment. Um, I will say when he got sick though, and you know, this is irresponsible, I know, but you know, when you're, when you're grieving you're not thinking straight we got a phone call one day that hey he's he's not going to make it through the day so we drove um an hour and a half to go to be with him you know it's kind of calling in the family um am i you know we wore masks the entire time and damn he didn't he he, he lived that day i and i i say i'm laughing 
and I, I don't want to sound callous. It just, we all, it, we were just so shocked. We got called and said like, he's not going to make it to the day. And then we get there and he's, you know, he's joking with people and being jovial. Um, but it, it, it did make it harder to go and actually see him in person. So one of the last times I ever saw him alive was, um, was a FaceTime call with uh, my, with my aunt. And, um, he, you know, it, it was really hard because he didn't even see, he didn't look like himself. He didn't seem like himself. He, he didn't even seem conscious. And I hate that. That's, I hate that. That's one of the last memories I have of him alive is that it was um, through a phone and it was, I don't even think he realized he was, you know, on a phone. Um, it, that was tough. Yeah. That, I've heard a lot of stories in my interviews of people who things like that happened during, during COVID and how it prevented them from, spending time with their loved one at the end, which just further um, makes me angry about COVID, yeah. but totally different, different story. So, um, so even though he was, you know, elderly and so on, and, you know, we don't, obviously we know people don't live forever. Um, how, you know, you didn't expect him to get sick and, and pass so soon after his illness, but how has his passing kind of impacted you in your, um, your own life? So did, were you like, um, you know, used to call him for advice or something and now you don't or anything along those lines where it's kind of, you've had to kind of adjust to a new normal with him gone. So, you know, it's, I didn't know, I didn't necessarily call him for advice all the time, you know, but he was that voice kind of growing up that he, he would always, my cousins and I, he would always kind of talk to us about, you know, the way you should do things. And when I, when I say that, I mean, the most basic advice was, you know, you gotta, you gotta work hard. You gotta, you know, make as much money as you can. You gotta be good to other people, you know, things like that. He, um, he, he really was the epitome of, you know, he pulled himself up out of nothing and made something out of himself. He, he left home at the, I think at the age of 13 is what my, my uncle told me after he'd passed with just the two or $3 in his pocket. And by the time he passed, he, owned a successful business that he'd run for probably 50 years. He had multiple properties that he had bought and renovated and rented out and sold. He he was a self-made man in every sense of the word, but he also was a very giving man. Um, at his funeral, I remember there were stories told, you know, during the eulogy of just things he had done for people, um, just acts of kindness, you know, a tenant who lost her job around Christmas time and he went and dropped off a bunch of groceries and things like that and just, you know, didn't charge him rent for a month, you know, just just little things like that. And that was just one story. But there were there are all kinds of stories of him doing these good deeds for people, but not doing it for any kind of recognition. So I have really. Since his passing, I've really tried to to take on as much of that as I can. I, I've always tried to have that mindset of, you know, you should do good when you can, if you can for no other reason than it's the right thing to do. There should be no other reason to do a good deed other than just it needs to be done. But hearing the way he lived his life, you know, even more and knowing that there was just so much, I didn't know that he did. I've really tried to be inspired to do more of that. Um, I can also talk to you too about, um, you know, the, the podcast that I have now and how that kind of was born out of, you know, my grieving process um, after his passing. Yes, we're definitely going to get there. Um, I, two things came to mind with what you were talking about, and that is um, the legacy that he's left with all the things that he did and how that has impacted not only the people he helped, but also you as you know, his grandson to really realize what a good person he was. Um, 
And the other thing is that there were things that you found out about him on that realm that you didn't know about, which speaks to the fact that he didn't brag about it. He didn't, you know, tell you about it. It was just, it was just him, right? He was just, yeah. he was just doing what he, what he did because of who he was. And it wasn't like he was looking for accolades or credit or something. He was just a genuinely good person with an amazing work ethic. Um, and probably because of him, the whole, you know, going out on his own at such a young age and becoming successful, I think people in that demographic um, uh, certainly are, tend to be different, different, different breed than what we see <laughs> yeah. for sure. So, so yes, I do want to get into your podcast because I know you started your podcast um, after your grandfather passed. So kind of take us through um, that process. How did you get from, you know, I'm going through this grieving process to, Hey, I'm going to start a podcast. Um, and then your podcast has to do with, uh, last meals. So I want you to kind of talk about where did that come from? How did you link grief to food and how has that, how, how did that come about? Yeah. So, you know, he, he passed away in May of 2021 and I started the podcast in May of 2022. It, it took a full year for the idea to, to kind of form and turn into something tangible. And, you know, on one hand, I, I knew I wanted to, for the longest time, I wanted to do a podcast. That's, that's something I've wanted to do for years just because I listen to a lot of podcasts. I love them. I just, I enjoy them. Uh, but I never knew what I wanted to do, and it's it's so saturated. Like finding something that like that you feel passionate enough to speak about at length is difficult. I'm sure you you've experienced that. Um, and just one night, you know, it just kind of clicked because for for a long time after his passing, you know, it, it's it's one of those things. It doesn't you get it, it hits you like waves. In that, you know, if you're sitting on the beach, you know, it's it's not just one giant wave that comes in and then it's done. It's multiple waves and some are bigger than others. So you might have a day that it just hits you like a ton of bricks that, you know, he's gone and that is it. And it makes it hard to do anything because it makes it hard to focus. You have some smaller waves where you're just, you're riding with your daughter and she says like something like, hey, do you remember Papa? He was really nice, wasn't he? And it's like, yeah, baby, he was really nice. And it's and it's, a, it's sad, but it's a little bit sweeter. So it's it's like waves. But one night, it just kind of hit me that, you know, I was thinking about him. And one of the things I thought about was, you know, food. And it's because I am a food person. I love food. When people go on vacation and tell me about the first thing I ask is, what did you eat? I just, I love food. I love talking about it. And I associated a lot of foods with him and with a lot of people I care about. So growing up, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with my extended family. Uh, but when we did, it was usually around the holidays. And, you know, if you think about it with the holidays, what's the centerpiece of that? It's it's always a big meal. It's, you know, Thanksgiving, it's Christmas, it's something like that. Additionally, he, you know, he made Brunswick stew, which is a, you know, was a kind of a signature of his. It's uh, And if you don't know what Brunswick stew is, I, I'm not going to try to explain it because I'm not going to do it justice. But essentially, it's meat, vegetables, soup, really good. It's I would highly recommend it. if you can try it or if you can make it, do it. It's it's great. But I just remember thinking, you know, that there were certain foods that I just remembered specifically thinking about him or about my grandmother who was in really poor health at the time. And it just started to click for me that there are just so many foods I associated with people still living too. You know, my mother, I associate chicken and dumplings with her because that was her signature dish growing up. And it's a thing I still love. You know, for my grandmother, it was bologna sandwiches, it was fried cornbread, 
you know, it was a uh, little Debbie donut sticks. She, she just passed in December of last year. And I still will sometimes, if I see these little Debbie donut sticks, I don't even like them because they are so sweet. I'll still buy them sometimes just to eat them and make me think about her. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's, um, I, you know, there was a, a couple months ago I was at the, I was at a gas station near the house and I was helping an older woman. She, she was having trouble f- figuring out one of the soda fountains and I, I helped her. And it just, it just kind of in the back of my head, it just made me think about my grandmother. And then I saw the little Debbie donut sticks right by the counter whenever I was waiting to check out. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to take this as a sign from the universe. I'm, and I, I got home and my wife saw them in my hand and she just, she knew it's like, okay, he's in one of those, he's in that space right now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, and I, I'm sorry, I got off topic there. I'm sorry. Oh, but, um... oh, oh I, I love it. Um, as you know, I mean, I was a guest on your podcast. And when I first heard about what you do, I was really kind of like, how does grief and food go together? So I was kind of confused. And I thought, well, um, what could I even talk about on your podcast? What do I even have with food? And I talked with my daughter and she said, well, mom, what about this? And what about that? And she had all these things that she remembered from growing up with, you know, my father and then her dad, which is who you and I talked about. Um, and I went, oh my gosh, you're so right. There is a lot of connection there. And it it surprised me because it hadn't occurred to me. I think you're in a, a little niche there where I don't think any people, I don't think there's another one like you um, out there. What kind of surprised me, yeah, there is not only that connection, but um, I'm a big fan of when it comes to grief, you know, thinking about a lot of those positive memories because we have them, right? I mean, yes, yeah. this is there and it's not going away, but we can think about those positive memories. And a lot of my positive memories for people that I've lost are surrounding food, right? I mean, food is comfort, food is family, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it really, then it struck me like, oh my gosh, you're so right. You're so onto something here with this food thing, which was really something for me. So <laughs> Um, so I was going to ask you, you know, um, your food memories with grandpa, but it sounds like the Brunswick stew was kind of the thing. So do you make that today or is that anything you, you do or you, your, your wife makes or you go buy somewhere or, or how do you, how do you bring that memory back? So that's not something I make. Um, although, you know, I, I gotta say this, um, I've got a, whenever my, uh, my grandmother passed, uh, I told you December of last year, a couple months ago, I went to, to visit my aunt who was there with them at the end. And she's, you know, living in that home now. And she had pulled some stuff aside for me to look through. And I got to grab a couple of my grandmother's cookbooks and I was going through them. And I also found a printed out recipe for Brunswick stew. Oh. And I don't know if it's the one that my grandfather used, but it, I saw it. And I was like, I'm keeping that. That's, that's I'm going to frame that and put it on my, the wall in my office. Um, I don't make the Brunswick stew, but something that my extended family is going to do is this September, we're going to get together um, and we're basically going to do a big Brunswick stew thing for the family. He used to do that. Um, and so we're going to do that this year, which is going to, it's, it's, it's going to be hard. Um, I, I know it's going to be hard, but it's also going to be really nice to be with other people who, who loved them and who have that same connection to that thing. Yeah. Um, and but you know, it's, it's, and that, know, food reminds everyone of him. Yeah. But it, it is funny that you mentioned that about the how, you know, it, it I know it seems like an odd concept, but you know, I found in, in thirty plus episodes now that I've had that uh every person I've had on, you know, it's it, it there is a yeah, that was an odd thing. And then I thought about it and I realized that, you know, my my father, my grandfather, my husband, my wife, my whoever, 
you know, there was some food that they loved. And I've, I've had so many people who've told me that anytime they eat a certain food that had been special to somebody, whether I had one woman on who she lost her husband and his big thing was ordering ribs anywhere they went. So she sometimes she'll still order a rack of ribs mm. and just think like, okay, I'm doing this for him. You know, I'm enjoying this on his behalf. You know, it's, I've just heard so many different stories of people that enjoy a certain specific food because of a loved one. And when they eat it, it's that feeling of like, okay, they're still kind of with me and I still get to enjoy something for them with them. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I mean, what I'm thinking about with my father used to make uh, this red clam chowder every year for Christmas Eve. And uh, my father was not, you know, a chef by any stretch of the imagination. It was just <laughs> canned tomato, tomatoes and canned potatoes and uh, tomato soup and so on. And I remember asking him before he passed, you know, what are you, what's your recipe for that red clam chowder? And it was so insanely simple that I thought, okay, well, <laughs> it's going to be easy to make. And it's actually not one of my favorite dishes, but when I make it, um, it reminds me so much of my dad that I smile the entire time I make it. And um, my sister and I, when she lives with me and when, when I make it, she'll say, oh my gosh, this is dad's soup. And, and we just, you know, talk about, him and our memories of him not even just about this you know the soup or when he'd make the soup but the soup itself brings us to that space of you know remembering him and you know what we miss about him and the things we loved about him which um really makes that connection if you will so um yeah. my point being the food doesn't even have to be something you really love and cherish it's just like oh my gosh when i have this it reminds me of this person and that i lost and the memories that i have so um, that's what I think is really cool about, about what you do. So I'm curious to know how has your podcast, um, and the interviews you're doing, how has that helped you with your own grieving process? Um, and so on, how does it make you feel in doing these interviews with people? So it, it's helped me a lot in that it's, it's made it a little more normal to grief, which is, yeah, we just, we don't do a very good job of this as a society. Um, I, I don't know if it's a Western thing, if it's a modern day, I don't know. And it's, it's a, above my pay grade. Um, but we don't do a very good job of, you know, grieving and that, and we don't even do a good job of watching other people grieve. When my grandfather passed, you know, I was really lucky that my boss, great guy, um, and he'll never hear this. So this isn't even me sucking up, but he, he related because, you know, his grandmother had passed earlier on in his career and nobody at work said anything to him. So he made sure to check on me that I was okay. And that meant a lot. But even then it's, there's still that, you know, you can tell he didn't know what to say and there's nothing to say. There's no, there's no right thing to say to that person in that moment. But I, I wanted to normalize the idea of having a conversation about grief and just not making people feel alone because there, there is this sense of otherness. And I, and I talk about this on my show sometimes, but there feels like this sense of otherness when you lose somebody, and especially when other people know that you've lost them, because it almost is like you're, you're walking around and you've got the ick on you. Mm. You know, it's, it's like a, you know, you, you remember the cartoons where you've got somebody that just has a cloud hanging over them. It, it almost feels like that. And it's not an intentional thing, but it's, you don't get to just be normal, which it sucks, but you don't get to just be normal when you're grieving. And it's not even just a, it's, it's an over and done with thing. There's not a, there's not a switch that gets flipped. It's, it is, it is very much a progression of, okay, you finally feel a little bit better at some point and you don't even realize it. And so I wanted to try to have these conversations, you know, and 
my my goal is always that for the guest that comes on, I hope that they benefit from getting to talk about somebody. And I've seen so many times or heard so many times, had somebody tell me, thank you for this because it's allowed me to, you know, talk about somebody I haven't talked about in a while. And you can tell that they appreciate that they've gotten to speak about them, you know, and I, I'm glad I get to give that to that one individual person, but I'm also hopeful that, you know, the, whoever listens to it, that they get something out of it. It just that it makes them think about somebody that matters to them and makes them think of a memory. If somebody were to tell me I went and made a, a, a dish that, you know, my, my grandfather used to make that I haven't thought about in forever because I listened to your podcast, I would love that. If somebody told me I was very intentional about, you know, cooking a meal with my child tonight so that they've got that memory in the kitchen with me and they've got that dish that they associate. I just, I want people to, to, to build those memories. I want them to oh. be able to reflect on them, I guess. Yeah, I love that. And I want to also point out, first of all, I totally agree with you on our society is not comfortable with grief. I mean, if you think about it, most employers allow like, what is it, three days off for bereavement when you've lost someone. Um, yeah. if three days, which I know is go to the funeral, or whatever, but three days is not enough time to um, really grieve someone that you cared about. So um, I think our our society, our culture here in the U.S. is extremely uncomfortable. I actually don't think I know. Um <laughs> topic of grief. And, you know, I know for myself, um, I'd never wanted anybody to feel sorry for me. So it's like, I don't want to talk about my grief because I don't want you to be like, oh, and then feel sorry for me. Um, however, if I talk about my grief and you say, you know, well, what are your memories about that person or, or what kind of foods did you guys do to you know, eat together, whatever, those are my happy memories rather than having someone say, you know, I'm sorry for your loss. And then give me that look of pity, which I personally despise. So I love that angle of, you know, how do you bring, you know, your happy memories up because they're there. And I know from my own um, grief journey that, you know, eventually you can get to the point where the happy memories outweigh the pain of the grief. And that's when healing really starts to be, you know, begin, starts, starts to really take off and you can remember that person without pain each time. So, you know, I love the idea of, yeah, I can make my dad's red clam chowder and it makes me sad for a moment but it also makes me smile or like in my case um thanksgiving's my favorite holiday and i remember yeah. my dad would come up every year to my house for for thanksgiving he would tell me you know christine you make the best stuffing i've ever had so every and i really it's kind of funny because i think i'm the only one in my family that eats stuffing to this day but <laughs> i make it and I, I sit there with tears in my eyes thinking about my dad actually it's kind of making me tear up just now just thinking about it and I make that stuffing and think well dad loved my stuffing and it is good stuffing and I love it too and it's <laughs> like my my his legacy if you will with you know how how his memory has gone on in in my life um and those happy times which again tears aren't always sad they're they're they can be happy too so um yeah. I really I really appreciate you making that connection and doing what you're doing so um I know we're going to put a link to your podcast so that guests that would like to talk to you or possibly interviewed by you about their stories um, can reach out. Um, but I'm curious, you know, as someone that went through a loss of someone you really cared about, uh, especially, I know it was a short period of time. And as you mentioned, it felt like a long period of time, but you know, what would your you know advice be to that person? Um, you know, you're, 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 especially in this anticipatory grief where you know, they're going to pass. Um, what would you recommend? You know, what would you say? Hey, do this or don't do this um, on those on those lines. Yeah, and that's and that's hard um, because I feel like with with my grandfather, and my grandmother, both I went through two very different 
forms of it. Um, with my grandfather, I knew it was coming and there was a lot more sad there with my grandmother. And it, it could be because I was, you know, I was still a year and a half from my grandfather. So I was still dealing with that. That one hurt in a different way, just because it just felt like it was piling on. But, you know, I would say if you're, if you're anticipating it, um, go ahead and talk as much as you're comfortable. Um, I think therapy is, is huge. I I'm a big proponent of, you know, therapy, just to have an, a non-biased person that you can talk to and vent to is great. A, a journal or something, just, I, I think trying to sit with it and just let it sit on your chest, I think hurts and it does more, more damage than good. Um, that said, I also, I'm a firm believer too, that there is no right or wrong way to grieve. There are ways that are healthier than others, you know, turning to, you know, to drinking, to drugs, probably not the healthiest way to do it. I'm not going to say you're wrong for needing some kind of escape. It's just probably not the healthiest way to do it. Um, so I would say, you know, trying to find something that you can get even just like the smallest amount of pleasure in, do it. If it's, you know, just cracking jokes and don't feel guilty about that either. You know, that that's the other thing. Don't feel bad that you're trying to feel better, I think is is incredibly important. Um, you know, and also just just talk to anybody you can. You know, any anyone that'll that'll listen to you. It's it's hard sometimes to find that person. Um, I would even say if you know somebody is going to go through it, I mean, just just reach out to them. You know, my wife was incredible through the process because she gave me space when I needed it. She talked to me when I needed it. Um, my my daughter, you know, at four years old, five years old, she showed so much emotional intelligence just in her her ability to be comforting. Um, that's a really long way to say long winded way to say it's okay to lean on the loved ones a bit. Yeah, that's no, when you need them. I completely agree with you, and I know as a, I'm a very um person, and you know I don't rely on other people for other things. So to me, I almost think it's a weakness to, you know, need somebody. But I have found that um, having those support systems, you know, whether it's good friends, family, a therapist, whatever it might be, is extremely helpful. Um, and sometimes just, you know, like, like if, if, if someone, you know, you know, is going through that and you're the, the bystander, the, the family member, the, the coworker, whatever is to do, like you said, you know, kind of reach out and say, Hey, um, this, I, I've been through something like this. If you want to talk, you can talk and then, and, but be, be sincere about it. So I think a lot of us, um, a lot of us in this society, when someone's going through grief, we, you know, we do that whole, I'm sorry for your loss, but to actually sit and listen to them, right. To say, well, tell me more about that person or how are you feeling or how can I help you? Um, one of the techniques that I like to do with people when I know they're grieving is not just ask them what I could do, but tell them what I'm going to do. So I'm going to yeah. bring you some meals. Would you rather have me bring breakfast, lunch, or dinner? So I'm not asking you to find in your head what you want me to do because you're so busy with so much else right now and you're grieving. I'm telling you, I'm going to do this, which would be better, right? I'm going to, I'd love to, I'm going to bring you this. What would you rather me do? I'd like to pick up your kids from school and take them to the park. Would you rather me do that on Tuesday or Thursday? So it's kind of a, a sense of how can I help you in a way where I'm actually giving you suggestions. This is how I'm going to do it. Um, and really listening to people in that time of grief. And I'm, I'm really glad you had your, your, your spouse for that. Um, I know that's not always the case. And and I know yeah. in, again, in this, in this culture, um, grieving is not, it's just not a comfortable topic for a lot of people, which is too bad because none of us are getting out of this life alive. So everybody's going to go through the grieving process at some point in time. So, you know, whether you're comfortable or not, you need to have those conversations and, 
um, not having them as the person who's grieving, I think you, you stick in that in that grieving groove, if you will, longer if than if you had had those resources, people to talk to, your boss being understanding, you know, those kinds of things rather than this robotic way that we tend to treat treat these things in our in our culture today. Yeah. And you know, one other thing I'd say there, because you know, you kind of touched on this and me getting it out, but bottling it up, it's it's not going to go away. It it might take a while, but it will bubble up and it will come out. And there's just it's that's just I, I think all there is to it like it, you're never going to fully get rid of it you can't just ignore it and it will go away it will surface in some way yeah and a lot of times it sits there and festers if you don't do something with yeah. it right? so especially when you talked about you know seeking you know solace or whatever in you know alcohol or whatever it might be or, or other things that might be damaging those are distractions rather than you know just outright facing how you're feeling um which can be tough. I mean, I, I know, um, for example, um, in the grieving process that being angry feels better than actually owning the grief. Right. So in some of the grief situations I've been in, I tried to be angry for a while because I thought, well, I'm I'm more in power. I can, I'm empowered with this anger. Whereas of course I'm expending on so much more energy being angry than if I would be doing, if I would just get to the process of just, you know, going through this and, um, you know, accepting this thing or whatever it is and who I am in this new reality rather than being angry that this thing happened. So um, I think, and I know you said you made the comment, you know, not everybody grieves the same way and doesn't look the same from uh, one person to another. And I think it's extremely important to realize. I know um, I had somebody tell me at one point in time in one of my episodes where I was grieving, well, you know, um, you know, you, you, it's, you've been in this for enough time now. It's time for you to, you know, start doing this. And I thought, well, how are you to tell me what mm-hmm. I should be doing right now? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe you did that, but this isn't maybe what's right for me. So um, yeah, that's kind of one of the, my, my thoughts is and not judge people when they're in the grieving process and not say, well, you should be here or you shouldn't be there or you shouldn't be enjoying life. And how is it you're being happy when you take your kids to the movie when you should still be, you know, sad or whatever. It's like, no, no, don't, don't put that on other people. Cause we're all very, very different in how we, we, we make that, that journey, if you will, as we go. Yeah. Yeah. So Andrew, I want to thank you again so much for being my guest for this podcast. I absolutely love um, the concept of the podcast that you do. Um, we'll be linking to it in the notes for this episode when it airs so that guests who might want to talk to you or look into what you do can reach out and kind of talk about it. Um, you know, their, their, their last meal, if you will, with the people that they've uh, lost and are missing. And for those listening, I want you to know, having been a guest on Andrew's show, it is a fun experience and, and fun and grief don't necessarily sound like they go together, <laughs> but they do. And it's, it's okay to have fun associated with that grief process because you had fun with the person you, you lost and that'll always be there. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I try to approach it as it's not, um, we're not mourning someone we're celebrating them. So yeah. And that's a great point too. It's a great point. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you. know, Christine, thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Good Grief. To hear more about my personal story, please pick up a copy of my book, The Day I Became the Spider Killer, a memoir of trauma, tragedy, and survival, available in paperback, 
Kindle, and Audible via Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other online book retailers.